As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Hello and welcome to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. But now for today's show. We are diving into the Unbelievable Archives, The programme that you're about to hear was originally broadcast in October 2010. Justin Briley was joined by Lewis scholar Dr Michael Ward and former Christian turned atheist Dan Barker. Here they reflect on the faith, philosophy and apologetics of C.S. Lewis. Let's join them for the second part of their discussion. I suppose the point is, at some level though, Michael, Lewis recognised that he he couldn't account for his own wish for the way the world is or or the way he fi- found the world he could only account for that if there was if you like a, a presence underlying it which which kind of gave the foundation for hmm. moral beliefs and for um you know and, and even for reason itself yes well sense. yeah let, let's maybe talk a little bit more about his understanding of reason itself that he thought that one couldn't really defend the idea of reason uh, on atheistical principles because again if if all that there is in this universe at a fundamental level is the clashing of atoms you know admittedly very sophisticated arrangements of atoms in in the case of human beings but if that is fundamentally the the nature of our being then how is it that we would wish to ascribe this this metaphysical thing called truth to the ideas that we have in our brains. I mean, this is something he develops, and and this was a a big thing for me when I read sort of as in my late teens his book Miracles, Mm. which is somewhat misleading in its title because half of it is about miracles and the miracles Mm. you you see Jesus doing, but Mm. the other half is actually a kind of quite a detailed sort of framework for his for Mm. this argument for God from reason. Yeah, Um, well, uh, that's because he, he regards rational thought as a miracle of a sort Mm. that in every rational reasonable human thinker you have this this mini miracle of rationality that it's not just cerebral biochemistry it's not just the movement of the gray matter in our brains when our minds are thinking truly it's actually a what he calls a, a participation in a in a cosmic spirit of rationality a cosmic logos that he describes i mean can i just read another s- small quote from miracles which kind of i think sums up in in a sense where he was coming from on this he says if naturalism is true 
We have no reason to trust our conviction that nature is uniform. It can only be trusted if quite a different metaphysic is true. If the deepest thing in reality, the fact which is the source of all other facthood, is a thing in some degree like ourselves, if it is a rational spirit and we derived our rational spirituality from it, then indeed our conviction can be trusted. I mean, it's an argument that's been developed since he proposed it by people like Alvin Plantinga, um, and we're going to be having him on the show in a couple of weeks' time as well, talking about the um, the uh, the kind of defeater of naturalism as far as he sees it in evolution, which mm. is how if evolution is the way by which we suppose we've come to have rational faculties, mm. well, what sort of on what basis do we say we we are therefore we can trust our rational faculties mm. in what is essentially a, a blind a blind purposeless kind of process yeah. um only if there is a god who if you like grants um a, a basis on which we can trust our rational faculties can we even start to talk about you mm. know that we've got this right that that's we, right yeah. can we even begin to talk about the insights of science and um you know, uh, Dan was just talking about the developments in science over the last 50 years. But but why is it that we should even trust science if we can't trust our own minds to give us insight into reality? And how could our minds give us insights into reality if they were just, you know, just physical entities? That's that's the, one of Lewis's main points in Miracles, that, that rational thought is of a different order from our other bodily functions. It's qualitatively different from, say, a cough or a sneeze or our other bodily secretions. We actually think of our mental capacities, our, our insights into reality, as giving us this thing called truth. We are related to things truthfully or falsely. We're not just related to them spatially. So again, it's a kind of a metaphysical concept which has is, is crying out for an explanation of some kind, which, which a purely naturalistic materialist universe doesn't seem to to give. Um, Dan, you've been listening to this. What, what's your initial response to this this so-called argument from from reason for God? Yeah, uh, well, the, the naturalistic materialistic worldview does give a very satisfactory explanation for reason. And reason and thought are not qualitatively different from the functioning of any other organ. They are quantitatively different. They are at a, a more complex level. But there's nothing in the human brain that is qualitatively different from the molecules within the stomach that causes digestion to happen, another organ which is functioning in a certain way for our survival. Truth is not a thing Michael talks about truth as if it were something that we perceive or find as if it were a thing. Truth is simply a label for uh, those statements or propositions that we w might make uh, that either correspond or don't correspond to reality as we see it. No scientist takes the uniformity of nature as somehow a, a, a you know, unbreakable law. It's possible. Every scientist is open to miracles. Every scientist is open to the possibility that we are simply we simply haven't waited long enough to, to know but in the meantime we have no choice but to assume that since the world is uniform today and is working according to these we use the word law and that word law is very ambiguous because it, it sometimes can assume a lawgiver but in science that's not what a law is there's different difference between descriptive laws and prescriptive laws but in science a law is a is a, a rule that over many many observations we expect and predict that those observations will continue. We don't, we don't say they have to, but it's a rule that is in place 
that has served us very well. Science is not a dogma or a creed. So C.S. Lewis has fallen into this trap, and it's not just C.S. who make this trap, but this trap of somehow, he's a dualist, basically. He thinks mind is somehow qualitatively different from the natural world, when in fact we can show through science the beauty. In fact, I think it's even more awe-inspiring than some super being up there with desires and wants and petty grievances who created us for his own loneliness or whatever it was. We can see how from simplicity, complexity can, can arise, not the other way around. The, the theistic answer assumes that complexity arises from more complexity, which answers nothing, because what is God made of? Isn't God made of some kind of spiritual atoms that are bouncing around inside of him, too? Doesn't God have some standard of right and wrong for his own mind? Isn't this God supposed, you know, what is his sense of the numinous and the sublime? It, this is all backwards. Okay, you know, we're going to have to take a quick break, I'm afraid, Dan, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll have Michael respond to those points in, in just a moment's time. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, and some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask Inti Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. That's premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. Thank you. Well, welcome back as we continue to look at the apologetics of C.S. Lewis, one of the most popular uh, lay apologists probably in the world, and he continues to have uh, a great appeal, uh, especially in America. I mean, I know that you're in great demand, Michael, over in the States. Um, uh, there seems to be a real kind of C.S. Lewis movement around <laughs> um, people who almost, I have to say, almost idolize him um, in, in some ways. Do you, do, do you think that it's healthy, the kind of the amount of reverence that is given to, to Lewis and his works out in the States? You're right. He is very much more popular in the States than he is over here. And on the whole, I think it's quite healthy. Yeah, it's it's part, partly, uh, you know, just to, to generalize grossly, it's partly, you know, the American temperament that if they like something, they, they are, are unashamed to be enthusiastic about it and to tell you. Um, and, you know, there are lots of reasons, I think, behind the popularity of Lewis in the States. Not, I, I suppose the fact that there is such a, a large evangelical Christian contingent who obviously um, the, the appeal of his apologetics particularly mm. is relevant in, in that situation. I think people also like the idea of an Oxford Don. That's and, right. And the, the, all, the, all the attraction <laughs> that that brings with there, it. There's a strong Anglophile element in a lot of American culture. They <laughs> like things that are British just because they're British. 
whereas we the brits you know it's, it's no great shakes for us to be british uh, and, we... <laughs> and you you must be almost the next best thing to c.s lewis given that you you were, i think you sort of uh, looked after the kilns and the sort of the, the, the places where lewis uh, yeah i lived in lewis's house the kilns for three years as a kind of resident warden sleeping in his bedroom and studying in his study and um <laughs> and the americans um many of the americans that i interact with you know they they uh they can hardly conceive that this should be possible <laughs> did you feel his presence michael <laughs> No, I didn't. No. <laughs> but coming back to what we were talking about before we went to a break, um, I mean, Dan there was, was kind of saying, no, look, you don't need to go to this extra level of thinking that there's some kind of immaterial sort of uh, aspect to truth, to reason. It is just what our, you know, we're doing the best job we can with science um, and the best as far as we can see, science just tells us we are a, a brain, a material thing that, that kind of comes up with the best explanations for the world around us. And that's what we live with. That's what we do. We, we see, you know, nature has been uniform up till now. And we can, you know, rationally expect it to be uniform in the future. We can expect that the, the things we consider to be true really are true as, as best we can. Why do we need anything extra? Why, is, why was Lewis so keen to suggest that you know, we don't have a, an ultimate foundation in some sense for, for our reason unless we, unless we invoke God. Well, I think it comes back to this idea of, of what you consider to be truth. Um, how is it that we trust our minds to give us this insight into reality? I mean, Dan talks about truth being no more than just a correspondence between our minds and reality, but why should we even think that there should be a reliable correspondence if the the universe is just you know clashings of atoms at the ultimate level mm. um, when it comes to true thoughts lewis argues we escape from the from the the simple material naturalistic explanation of cause and effect to a new kind of relationship, which he calls the ground-consequent relationship, that when we understand something truly, it's not just because we have been, you know, shunted in a particular direction by a natural impulse. You know, it's not. Like, it's not just like that we've caught some infection, which is causing us to sneeze. It's not like we've just been th you know, hit, thumped on the shoulder and therefore shifted slightly to the right. It's not a cause and effect in that sense. It's a ground and a consequent. We see grounds for rational belief, and the consequence of that perception is true belief. Um, so an example that Lewis gives is, you know, to just try to clarify what he means between this difference between the ground-consequent relationship and the cause-effect relationship is, you know, you you could say uh, grandfather is ill today because he ate lobster last night. That's a cause-and-effect relationship. But you could also say grandfather has left the house because his hat is not hanging in the hall. Um, and we know that he never goes out of the house without putting on his hat. Now, it's not the absence of his hat from the hat stand hasn't caused his his absence from the house, but it is the grounds for our belief in his absence from the house. And that ability to see grounds and consequences is what Lewis calls this rational faculty, this ability to perceive truth. And for him, that that there's a, a big a gap if you don't have if you if, if 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 all we are is as you say at an ultimate level um atoms banging into one another being mm. albeit in very complex ways we still can't get from 
that to a, a kind of ultimate trust that this is the way that rationality works that that you know yes it, it really is qualitatively different it's uh, it's it's mysterious it's um you know it is hard to account for on naturalistic uh, grounds this ability to perceive truth and and scientists i think they they slightly pretend that they don't believe in truth when really i think they do uh, and they they get very cross with with people who 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 want to who who want to dispute the findings of science because scientists believe that they have made correct deductions from their experiments and from their observations and they they call that truth i mean it might not be ultimate truth there might be more to discover and i'm very pleased to hear dan say that no scientist disbelieves in the possibility of miracles uh, that's news to me um but scientists believe that what they've discovered is true thank you for listening to the cs lewis podcast with me ruth jackson we were hearing there from lewis scholar dr michael ward and former christian turned atheist dan barker they were speaking to Justin Briley on an unbelievable show, which was originally broadcast back in October 2010. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles and podcasts. That's premierunbelievable.com. Thank you for listening and see you next time.